Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Welcome to church today. Man, I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here. And let's welcome everybody who's with us online. We're so glad that you're with us. You're part of our family. We're grateful for you. We know I have a group that is watching in Prague every week. Our international workers there, Brent and Liz, Shimon, I know you're there with them as well. So we're grateful for you guys. Thank you uh, for being part of our family and all the work that you're doing uh, as well. You guys, we are starting a brand new series today uh, called Home Records. We're talking about our relationships. It's maybe one of the most important conversations we have as a church uh, because so much of who we are and how we impact the world stems from how things are going at home, right? You guys know that when things aren't good at home, things aren't really good anywhere, and it really does affect us in a major way, and so we're spending the next four weeks in that. And so today, we're going to be in Romans chapter 15, and actually, would you stand back up real quick in honor of God's word this morning? I'm going to read this text, and then I'm going to pray for us as we start today. And this is, uh, this is Romans 15, verses 1 and 2. Uh, this is the message translation, and so it's a bit of a, a, bit of a, a paraphrase. But I think it really works to share the message of what's really being said there. So let me, uh, let me read this today. It says this in verse 1. Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. And not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? It's a great question to ask, isn't it? How can I help? Let me pray for us as we start. Jesus, thank you for your church. Thank you for this place that we can gather. Thank you for this community. God, and we're grateful for the moment that we have together. And we acknowledge that there's a lot that's distracting us, many things that could pull us away from being fully present here. And yet, God, we know that your desire is to use this time to change us, to convict us, to challenge us, and to encourage us. So, Father, I pray for encouragement in this place today. I pray for the couple who maybe walked in here today who is one step away from a divorce. I pray for the person who's struggling with their singleness, uh, for the person who has a past they don't know what to do with, God, that in all these things, God, would you just pour out your grace upon us and show us a better way to live. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So before we get into this text here this morning, I want to start us off by doing a bit of an update about our next steps 
as a church. And so this was our promise to you and is our promise to you to keep you updated uh, as this is your community of how we are doing together to take our next steps. And if you're brand new to ACF, we're just honored that you're here today. Um, I want you to know that we really don't want anything from you. We just want something for you here today. But we, we are doing a bit of an update. You might not know how we've kind of gotten to where we are today. Uh, first of all, this building itself, we have come a long ways, haven't we, church? I mean, look around. This, church, th- this building has come a long ways in just a couple years. This, this building's been standing here for about 40 years now. We've done some major upgrades to this place, uh, both our kids' area downstairs, which if you don't have kids... You should just go wander down there and see all that's going on down there uh, once in a while. And then up here, we redid this space this last summer. And our third and final phase of what we're doing to this building is an expansion off the front. And so if you just want to look around real quick, we're using all of this space. And the goal is to use this entire room. But the problem is now we have no lobby right? And uh, we want to create what's we're kind of calling a living room, a, a place for relationships, a place for you to grab a cup of coffee with a friend, find out more about how to engage your life uh, with what's going on here at ACF. And ultimately, that's our goal. Honestly, like if you're entertained uh, for an hour on Sunday morning, then we are wasting our time. Uh, in the end, our goal is that you would take a step in your faith, that you would get engaged in relationships, friendships, that you'd be able to ask difficult questions about your doubts and about what we believe as Christians, and that you'd move forward in your faith, that this is sort of a launching pad for all of that. We actually believe that having a lobby space is going to be essential to the mission that God has for us as a church. So for us to finish out this property, our final phase of building, uh, we've set a goal of raising $2.4 million dollars. That's what it's going to cost to finish off this property, and uh, so we are well on our way to do that. So far, here's the update. We have raised over $790,000. Can we just thank God for that today? Yeah. And so what you need to know about this number, this is, this is not money in the bank. This is money that's been committed as well as gifts that have been given above and beyond commitments. And so this is us trusting that if you made a commitment, that you're going to fulfill it. Uh, if you don't, then that number goes down. So just so that makes sense. Um, so this is a great start. This is actually, we've done better in this phase of giving than we ever have towards anything as a church. This is blowing our minds. And yet at the same time, we got a little ways to go, right? And so if you're wondering what the timeline is on all of this, I want to give you an update on that. Can you put that up on the screen? Here's sort of what this looks like. We started giving in September in the beginning of this giving initiative towards our next step as a church. We'll be doing updates monthly. I'm not going to be up here with a thermometer going, oh, here we go. Oh, we're not doing it. Oh. Like, I'm a terrible salesman. I've told you guys that from the beginning. I cannot sell things. Uh, that's, not, that's not what I'm good at. But I can give you updates. And this is, uh, this is our next step as a church and cast some vision for that. And so we'll be doing updates until March of this next year. And then we're going to make a decision. And at March, we're going to have to decide whether or not we're going to break ground in the spring and finish this whole thing off or if we are going to delay another year and potentially break ground in the spring of 2021. And so those of you who are in the building trade know that if we're going to be doing a bunch of dirt work, it has to happen in the summertime in Alaska, right? And so either we do it in the spring or we don't do it for another year. That's just how it, how it works. And so based on our giving, if we have hit that 2.4 goal, we will start moving forward and 
hopefully be moved in by September of this next summer uh, of, or fall or whatnot. So that's my goal. Honestly, when I, when I have something in front of me, my goal is just to go after it. I, I would prefer that we get on this and that we move forward. And, and uh, the steps to come are launching our ACF outposts. Uh, we have a plan to plant a second campus. We believe God's calling us to do that as we continue to fill up services here and want to continue to reach our city in our state. And then we want to build a church in Bobo. We've already been in communication with our alliance uh, workers there. They are chomping at the bit. They've already got property picked out. They already have a congregation that needs a building. They need a place to meet. And we want to move forward in that. And as we've promised you, we, we, we're going to move forward in that after we move forward with our phase three of this building. So this building and this place is like a base camp for ministry. We want to make sure that it's functioning for 50 years to come and, and, and continues to serve as a way that we uh, will, will serve the, the city and the state and the world. And so we want to do what we're doing here, and then we're going to move out beyond in our Acts 1-8 mission. So hopefully that all makes sense. I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but all we're asking you to do is pray. Uh, pray about what God would have you do to help us continue to go after the goals he has given us, and uh, I'll keep you updated. How about that? So uh, we will continue to let you know how we're moving forward in that. So we are starting a series called Home Wreckers, which uh, this last week I sat down with my wife, and she doesn't always know what we're talking about on Sunday morning, and she was like, hey, what's the new series called? And I was like, Home Wreckers. And she's like, that's encouraging, Right. Like, really? And I I figured this out. Like, when I say that word, the the ladies in the room, there's like a fire in your eyes. I can see it in your faces whenever I say that word, especially uh, for the ladies in the room. But the reality is there are things that are wrecking our homes, right? There are things about what we believe, about what we do, uh, about our lives in general that are destroying our homes. The statistics are pretty terrible, honestly. Around 50% of marriages today end in divorce, which uh, there's uh, people who are getting engaged right now, and I'm going, the odds are terrible. And yet, I, I, I believe that in the church, it should be different. I actually believe that in the church, we should have the strongest marriages in this city, the strongest homes in this city. So not only do 50% of marriages uh, end in divorce, but 70% of second marriages end in divorce. And so the odds go down. Uh, I, I read that this, this week, 75% of Alaskans have experienced or know someone who has experienced some kind of div- domestic violence or sexual assault. So there's something broken, right? Um, studies are showing sexual intimacy among couples is going down. Uh, for singles in the room, there's this feeling culturally that singleness is synonymous with broken. That, that single, singleness is sort of this, this problem to be fixed instead of a status to be celebrated. And so next week, I'm going to do something we've never done before. I'm going to spend an entire morning talking about singleness, talking about God's view for singleness. And so I want to invite you back if you're single or or if you're married, because everybody in the room is either single or one stupid decision away from being single, right? So this is a conversation (laughs) from all of you. You're like joking, not joking, seriously. So you need to be in the room for that conversation. You've got some single friends who maybe struggle with this concept of being single. How should we view this as married people? How should we view this as single people? And I think it's such an important concept for us to talk about. Um, I've probably got six weeks worth of content already that I'm going to pack into one morning. So buckle up for that. Me excited about that. And then the last week of this series, we're talking about sex and how sex is something that has torn apart a lot of relationships and a lot of individuals. It's something that we, most people in the room would say, I've got a past 
I've got decisions I've made that I'm not proud of. And that means that we carry that into our marriages and into our homes. And so we've set out this, this year, our, one of our goals is to train you up and equip you better. So we just had Joe Sangle up here. He did awesome, did some training for us financially. We're also having an organization that is just, they're world-class, called Pure Desire Ministries. And they're going to be up here doing a two-day conference and then speaking on Sunday morning about how we can get free from sexual addiction, how we can train up our kids better. Uh, if you're a parent in the room and you're freaking out because you have a teenager now and you're wondering what to do, you need to be at this. If you're single and you're going, I know that I've got a, a past or some decisions I've made that I'm not proud of and I want to have a healthy marriage this way, this is really something everybody needs to go to, but I was telling our team this week, it's something everybody needs to go to and yet nobody probably wants to. And I totally understand this. It's not something that you're like, hey, I want to stand at the sexual brokenness table in the back of the room. That sounds really great, right? I know that that doesn't sound appealing, and yet, let me promise you, it's going to be the best time that you've spent in a long time. Uh, it's going to be really important to your development. Um, the, the cost is $49 for adults, 19 and over. Uh, that's with a promo code that's online. And then it's uh, free, I believe, is it right? Free for 19 and below. So if you're a teenager, uh, we have bought that price down to make sure we get you guys there uh, to be there. So anyway, we're excited about hosting that. Romans 15, strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? So today I want to talk about the reality that one of the things that, uh, that tears apart our marriages, one of the wrecking balls of our relationships is something called selfishness. And I still remember when I decided to pursue marriage with my now wife, Amanda, and we were dating, and, and I was thinking back this week, why did I want to get married? Like, what is it that drove me to be married? And, and I, I listed a few things. First, I, I wanted companionship, right? I, I wanted someone to make me happy. I wanted someone to make me dinner, right? I wanted somebody to, I know, I get it, but she's a great cook. And so I wanted somebody to spend the rest of my life with. Essentially, all the reasons that I had for marriage were selfishly motivated. Everything about it. I still remember when we were dating, we decided to take a class together. I was in college, and uh, I, won't, I won't recommend this for dating couples, but I had this idea that we would take a massage therapy class, right? I'm thinking, this is going to be an investment into our marriage. And, and so, like, we take this class together, and my whole vision in my mind was, when we get married, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to come home from a long day at work. She's going to open the door. The smell of dinner will hit me in the face. She's going to be like, honey, lay on the couch, right? Put your feet up. The massage oils will be out. She's like, I'm going I'm to give you a massage, take care of you. You just rest yourself there on the couch. You've done so much work today. I want to take... So, so the, here's, that's my vision for marriage. And then two months into marriage, I realized that my beautiful new bride hadn't got the memo, right? Because you married people know, it's like, that's just not reality. But in my mind, marriage was something where she was... She was to serve me, right? My, my, my goal was like, can you just take care of my needs? And, and if you are married here today, I would guess that maybe you have some of the same circumstances. You look back, did you get married for a lot of selfish reasons? And our culture isn't helping us along with this overly romanticized uh, picture and narrative that's given to us about what marriage is and why we get married and and we kind of throw, throw marriages out all the time, you know. And, and so it's not really helping us. So I want to go to Romans 15 because you might not have seen this as a marriage passage, but this may be one of the most important 
uh, relationship passages in the scriptures. Strength is for service, not status. The first question is, well, where am I strong? Where do you have strengths? What is it that you can do? And well, one of the answers to that would be that we are strong where our passions, our skill, and our integrity collide. Where you are passionate, where you have abilities, and where something is just sort of who you are, your integrity, it's just something you're meant to do. Where all those things collide, you have some strength. And the question is, what is that for? Why did God give you that strength? Why does God give you the abilities that you have and the opportunities that you have? And I would say for most of us, the first impulse is, well, he gave them to me for me. He gave them to me to build myself up so that I can succeed in life. And yet the kingdom of God flips everything on its head. Galatians 5.13 talks about our freedom in Christ. It says, for you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Sure, you can use your strengths to build yourself up, to make more money, to take care of your own needs, but that freedom was actually given to you. Your strengths were given to you through love to serve other people. Now, some of you are like, Brian, serving is all I do. It's honestly the only thing I do. Nobody knows what I do. Nobody sees how much I serve. Well, Hebrews 6.10 says this, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. So God sees everything you do. God sees every move you make. Every time you step into something that's hard and you serve someone selflessly, God will see that. And there is a certain reward for every time that we do that. So we encounter a ton of relationships, right? I mean, in this room are hundreds of different relationships. You may or may not know about them. But the reality is this, a relationship built on selfishness will soon be forgotten. But a relationship built on service will be remembered by many. Do you know anybody that you just just see them serving? Or maybe you have a relationship, some friends of yours that are married and you're like, man, that's the kind of marriage I want. It just seems like they, 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 they love one another to the point of service. They care so well for one another. I think we know intuitively that that's kind of how we were built. That's how relationships were supposed to work. One of the things that I remember, one of the moments that this made sense to me was um, with my grandparents. Uh, My grandmother, she had gotten a diagnosis with bone cancer. And if you know anything about that particular type of cancer, it's aggressive, it's terrible, it's painful. And I watched her suffer through this. And at this point, I was probably seven years old. I was pretty young. And I had a really close relationship with my grandparents, spent a lot of time with them. And as she was wrestling with this diagnosis and on chemo and all the things that you go through, uh, her mood began to go downhill. Understandably, right? She, she got a little bit frustrated and more angry, and I saw her kind of bickering at my grandfather. And, and I began as a, as a young kid to get really defensive of my grandfather. I didn't really understand the pain that she was experiencing. And so I remember one day watching them sort of bicker and argue. I'd never seen it before. And just going like, man, what's going on? And why is she being so mean, right? And then I remember we we walked out to the garage, my grandfather and I, and I looked at him. And and this is funny why we remember certain things in our lives. I, I don't know why I remember this so clearly, but I looked at him and I said, why do you let her talk to you that way? I just didn't understand. And he looked at me with a fire in his eyes. I'd never seen him so angry at me. And I'm like, 
You know, I, I, he, was, he was mad at me, right? I'm like, I'm trying to defend you, right? And he's angry at me. He looks at me and he says, she is my wife and I will serve her till the very end. I still remember her, him saying that, like, you will not talk about my wife that way. I will serve her till the very end. And in that moment, I got, a, I got an image of what marriage is supposed to be. I got, I got a, a very countercultural, this is not what we're sold in the movies. This is a different way of seeing marriage for the way it was actually intended to be. Matthew 23, 11, Jesus says this. He says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And I love when the disciples are asking Jesus about being great. He doesn't say, you shouldn't want to be great. He says, no, you should want to be great. But let me redefine greatness for you. Greatness is servanthood. Greatness is, is, is lowering yourself, humbling yourself before others and serving them. That is what it means to be great. But let's be honest, there's a cost incurred, isn't there? There's always a cost to service. I was going to cost you something. We just did parent-teacher conferences with our kids and their teachers, which is a lot of fun. Uh, we get all the dirt on our kids at, at school. And so we started this thing years ago where we would do parent-teacher conferences. The teacher would share what's going on with our kids. And then at the end of the conversation, I would say, now, can we just share a few things with you? We are so grateful for the investment that you make into our kids and the hundreds of other kids that are around here. And we just want you to know we see the emails. We see that you graded the papers. We see the extra effort that you pour into our kids. We're, we're grateful for what you do. And so the first year that we did this, this the, the teacher, we, we shared this with her, said, we're grateful for your sacrifice. And you know what she did? Broke down in tears, just weeping all over the desk, right? And we're like, oh, no. But she's like, no, just thank you. I, she said, I, I just, I, there's a lot. I do a lot. People don't see it which you teachers in the room, like you need a medal or something. People don't see half the things that you do. Yeah, we can clap for the teachers in the room. But I was thinking, why, why was she emotional about that? And I realized that what we had done is we had acknowledged the cost of her sacrifice. Now, she'd been doing it, and she wasn't looking for that. But there's something to that, someone acknowledging the cost of your sacrifice, I want to acknowledge to you today that um, you may serve a lot. In fact, you might be the one who's like, Brian, in my house, I'm the only one that's serving, right? And, and let, me, let me say, like, like, we just read, God sees that. And I know there's a cost, but I just want you to know that the benefit of the investment that you're pouring into your home far outweighs the cost. It always far outweighs the cost, as much as it might be difficult Sometimes. Sometimes we just need someone to acknowledge, I know it's costly, but it's going to be worth it. Jesus says it's okay to be great, but if you want to be great, you're going to be a, a servant. So what that means is, if you want a great home, a great home is full of servants. If you see couples or homes where you're like, it seems like it's clicking on all cylinders, everything's running well, it seems like it, that's the kind of house I want when I walk in, there's just peace in their home, right? It's just chaos in my home, it feels like I'll tell you, at the core of good running homes, I really believe is service, people who are serving one another. And as I'm reading this text this week and thinking about how it affects my, my life, excuse me, in, in my marriage, a little coffee for Sunday morning, as I'm reading through this, one of the things that, that clicked with me was really, you know, I don't just want a great home, I want a great church. 
Like, I want ACF Church to be great, not for our glory, but for the glory of Jesus. Like, I really want us to have a great church. So you know what that means? That means that a great church is full of servants, as much as a great home is full of servants. He says this, those who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just do what is most convenient for us. The only way we'll ever be a great church, the only way we'll ever have great homes is if we begin to serve. If we see that. A great church is not a great, you know, and it's funny, we don't measure it that way sometimes. You might leave, man, that's a great church. Maybe the preaching was great, or the music was great. The band, the, the ladies are just awesome, aren't they, this morning? The, the vocalists were so great, or the, the building was great, or the coffee was great, right? Like, like, none of that is honestly what makes a great church. A great church is a church full of servants. So do you know who the greatest people are here on Sunday morning? Those that are serving. Can we give it up for those who are serving this morning? Yeah. That's what it means to be great. The people who open the door for you, the people who are watching your kids, the people who made you coffee, the people who set up the chairs that you're in, the people who stuffed the envelopes that are in front of you, the people who are serving you today are the greatest people in the church. I think Jesus would definitely agree with that. What is a servant? A servant, I believe, is someone who is sold out to meet the needs of others. You see, in our culture, when we walk into a space, the natural mindset is one of consumerism. We walk in and we think, what can this place do for me, right? What's in it for me? That is the natural posture when we enter into a place. But servants walk into a place and they ask, what can I do? How can I help? How can I contribute? How can I make this better? It's a completely different mindset, both in healthy homes as well as, I believe, in healthy churches. Not just to do what's most convenient for us. It's really convenient to show up to church and leave. I know. Um, sometimes I just want to do that, right? And in fact, uh, I was preaching, or I wasn't preaching last week. I got to show up and Joe Sangle was speaking. He just did awesome. And so I got to just show up to church. That's nice sometimes. There's nothing wrong with that occasionally. But I'll tell you, that would get really old after a little while. I would get really old at just showing up. It would get really old just showing up to church and not being part of what makes this place happen. What are you doing that's inconvenient for you, both in your home maybe, and in your church? How are you inconveniencing yourself? Because there you'll start to see your greatness, is when you're be willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of other people. I mean, this is the hardest thing in life in general. When I get home from work, I want to sit on my couch and watch some Netflix. That's what I want, you know? I want to put my feet up, and I want to just sit there. But you know what my kids want? They want me on the carpet rolling around with them. And they say it every, like almost every day, Daddy, can we wrestle on the carpet? Do you know what the last thing is that I want to do when I get home from work? Wrestle on the carpet. It's the last thing I want to do. And yet, it's the first thing my children want from me. And so, I have an opportunity every time that comes up. Am I going to serve my kids? Am I going to serve my wife? And I'm not here to tell you that I get it right every time. But I am telling you that there is greatness that fills our home when we all start to operate in acts of service towards one another. And the same is true, again, back to the church, that if you're going to lead at ACF Church, what we are going to need to see from you is a desire to serve. Like if somebody has an agenda or an ax to grind, you're not going to be leading at ACF Church. But if you have a desire to serve, we want you to lead. 
It's amazing how many people we pull into positions of leadership at, at, at ECF, and they're like, me? No, I, I'm not. I'm just here to serve. And I'm like, that's why you're qualified. That's why we want you, because you're here to serve. And we see it. We want people on our lead team, people in our ministries, who are the type of people who are just wrung out after a terrible day at work, and they go home and they roll around on the carpet with their kids. That's what we want out of our leaders. And that's the kind of people I want to follow. Isn't that the kind of person you want to follow? So let's be people of service in all areas of our life because selfishness is wrecking our homes. It's how we'll know we're strong is when you start to see people serving in the home and in the church. It's how we'll know we're strong. It takes a lot more strength to conquer our selfishness than it does to command someone else to follow us, doesn't it? It takes so much more strength to to deal with our pride, deal with the fact that we want to get status so that we can be the ones that are served. But Proverbs 16.32 says this. It's about disciplining our desires and our emotions. It says, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. You see, to do this, to walk into this different way of seeing relationships, you're going to have to rule your spirit. You're going to have to take over some of the desires that you might have towards building your own kingdom and getting people to serve you. You're going to have to discipline that part of your life so that you might go after something much, much better for yourself. And and as, as, as Paul is writing this letter to the church in Rome, you need to understand something about them. Because this might be a hard word for you. You're like, they don't deserve to be served. I've heard that in in marital counseling before. They don't deserve my service, right? Well, in this culture, do you know that over 50% of the people in Rome were slaves? I mean, slavery was the biggest industry in that in Rome. And so uh, for many of the people, it's how they provided for their families. It's, it's how they got education for their kids. It's, it's how they took care of themselves. It's how they got food and shelter was to be, in fact, some of them sold themselves into slavery so that they could care for their families. But I would imagine for the entire time that they were being, those who were serving others, they were thinking, like we would, I can't wait for the day that I can be the one that gets served, right? I mean, you'd imagine if you're being abused and mistreated and somebody who's just a servant Day to day to day to day, you're going to be wondering and thinking, what about that day that I get to own others, the day that I get to take over? And yet Paul is looking at them and saying, do you want to be great? And they're like, yes, we do. Serve. Serve one another. Serve people like Jesus has served you. You see, our status can get away from us. Our position can get away from us. I remember when I was ordained as a pastor, um, all of a sudden I had a title and it, was, it, it makes you a reverend. So, of course, like once I got my, my, my reverend status, I went home and I taught my wife and kids to call me reverend. So everywhere I went, every morning, every night, you know, here's your dinner, reverend. Of course not. It's just weird. Of course, I would, I would never do that. But it's funny how we do that in other ways, don't we? we well, I'm the, I'm the husband, you know. Well, I'm the man of the house, you know. Well, look at all that I do. It creates a, a status that we use as leverage to get other people's service. But I'll tell you, um, we have to be more and more disciplined about this, the more status we get. Like the more people you lead, the more, uh, the, the greater size of the organization, whatever it is, the more temptation you will be to just let people serve you and to forget how to serve other people. And so we have to work harder than ever to discipline that part 
of our lives. You see, when your status derails your service, that's how you know you're stuck. I mean, take a look at your marriage. Take a look at your relationships. Take a, the way, take a look at the way that you are looking at marriage. If you're single right now, and if you are letting your status derail your service of another person, that's how you know you're stuck. The world uses their strength to get above people. Followers of Jesus use it to get below them. Do you see that? The world uses their strength to get ahead of people, but Jesus' people use their strength to get other people ahead. The world uses their strength to crush people, whereas followers of Jesus use their strength to serve others. It's a completely different way, different operating system for the world. And Mark's gospel talks about something similar. Mark 10, 42 says, And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. In other words, they get authority, and you know what they do? They put people under their thumb. They let them be the ones who are the servants, right? And their great ones exercise authority over them. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Isn't that crazy? God comes to earth in the form of a servant, right? He empties himself. He becomes a human being, and he comes here to serve us. Is there a greater status that exists that's greater than the Son of Man? Can there be a greater status than the status as Son of God? I don't know how far you've gotten in your industry. I don't know how big of a deal you are. I guarantee you're not a bigger deal than that. And yet Jesus shows up and he comes to serve the world. A few weeks ago, um, we went out to lunch, a few of us on staff. And um, Have you seen the ravens in Alaska? Anybody seen these things? They're like the size of golden retrievers. They're massive. <laughs> I don't know where they came from. It's like prehistoric ravens. I don't know if they're like eating moose or something, but they're just huge. I mean, they are monstrous. <laughs> Hide your kids from the ravens. Yeah, they're huge. And so we come back to church, and we've got this dumpster over next to the building, and we see that the ravens have gotten into the dumpster, they, and they pulled out a bunch of bags of trash. And do you ever see a mess around your house, and you just, like, act like you never saw it, right? <laughs> like, situational awareness, right? Like, I don't even know what's going on. So I'm trying to ignore it, and I could just, you know, you know when you feel God speaking to you? I, I felt just God going, you're going to do it? We get those moments every day, don't we? Like all day long, it may be a dish in the sink. It may just be a conversation with one of your kids. I mean, all day long, if you're in a relationship, you're going to get these opportunities where I feel like the Spirit's going to go, you're going to do it? You're gonna, huh? You're going to do it? You're going to step up, right? And so Pastor Stewart and I, we both saw it at the same time and both were trying to ignore it. And we're like, we got to go clean that up, don't we? Right? And so I'm walking over, you know, complaining in my own heart. Isn't this someone else's job, right? Like somebody else should be doing this. Um, just like any of us would, would want to give away the work, right? So we get over the dumpster, and one of the bags that they had gotten into, I'm not going to get into the details, but it was from the women's restroom. And it was horrific. Like it was... I'm having nightmares still about what we saw around the dumpster. So it's, it's funny, sometimes you, like, you, you lean in to go do something and it gets way worse than you thought it was ever going to be. You're like, how do I back out of this? I don't want to be part of this anymore. But now we've seen it and we're the only ones standing around. So me and Pastor Stewart are over there just like, oh, dry heaving, you know, taking care <laughs> of this mess outside. And, and you know, it's funny, like I even, I, I, I kind of, 
I'm careful about sharing those things because I know that, like, you know, I never want to come off like, well, look at me, because once again, I mean, there's things that I don't talk about, but I want to model as best as I can, I don't always get it right, of what it means to see a need and meet a need, what it means to just lean in and trust that as I'm a blessing, I will be blessed. And I promise you, I promise you that that's going to be the case. Jesus, here's the thing about Jesus, is he doesn't just pick up the trash, he actually becomes the trash. If you read 2 Corinthians 5, it talks about Jesus who was sinless, who's without sin. He literally became our sin. The filth, the, just the raw sewage of humanity was poured out on Christ. And he did this willingly to heal us, willing to heal the relationship between us, willingly so that he could be the one covered in sin and not you and I. That's a good God. It's a God who loves us. They'd be willing to do something like that. We must learn to be servants. If you've ever prayed to have a great marriage, can I just raise your hand if you ever prayed for a great marriage? Anybody in this room? Um, single people, you can raise your hand too if you've prayed, been praying, God, give me a great marriage one day if that's something that's a desire in your heart. Um, what you need to know is that when you are praying for a great marriage, you are asking God for an opportunity to serve someone for the rest of your life. You are not asking God to make you happy. You just need to know that. Like when we ask God for a great marriage, we're saying, God, would you give me opportunities to pour myself out selflessly into the life of another human being till the day that I die? It's not a good sales pitch for marriage, but it is. It's beautiful. And, and let's be honest, marriage is one of the most difficult and terrible and incredible things that any of us will ever do. It is. It's beautiful, and it's terrible sometimes, and that's just what it is, and it changes you, and it grows you, and it identifies things in you that you would not have otherwise seen. It's the same reason that Jesus correlates his relationship with the church. It's like a marriage. It's like he is the bride. We are the bridegroom, and in this relationship, there is trouble sometimes, and yet Jesus comes to rescue us, and one day that relationship will be fully restored. And that's the day that we look forward to when Jesus returns and he comes back for his church, for his bride. And if you're a believer, you are part of that. You're part of that family that Jesus is coming back for. We need to shift our view of marriage. We need to change the stories that we're believing, right? We need to stop seeing what's in Hollywood and thinking this is what marriage or relationships are supposed to be. So you look at the Bible, it's just not what marriages were created for. We were meant to show the love of Christ to the world by the way that we sacrifice for one another. It's literally, marriage is a picture of Christ's love for the church as we sacrifice for each other. I ran across this story, um, it was actually last year sometime, I saw this story that went viral on Instagram. And some of you might have seen this before, and in fact with a highly military church, some of you might even uh, be in contact with this family. But here's the story, Navy SEAL Jonathan Grant um, ended up viral on Instagram when his wife, Laura, posted a video with now over 4 million views of their first kiss after a tragic accident. Jonathan was on his way to a fire to lend aid and ended up in a car wreck that left him with a traumatic brain injury and also the loss of mobility in his body. And after the accident, John had only 10% of a chance of surviving. And his wife, Laura, never left his side, stuck with him the whole time. 
Uh, she's told interviewers that it hasn't been easy, and there have been little victories, though, like the first kiss on Instagram, that have continued to help her to keep moving, but the future still remains unclear, and John is still 100% dependent. 100% dependent. And so I, wanna, I want you to think about that. When, and I encourage you, go watch the video if you want to Google it later. Have a box of tissues. Uh, it's emotional. And, and even if you're not a follower of Jesus or interested in God at all, when you see something like that and you hear that story, there's something in your heart that says, that's just how it's supposed to be, right? I mean, there's a reason that millions of people have watched this video and shared this video. It's because something in the human heart says, this type of sacrifice is what we were made to do. It's a completely different story than what we, what we put out all it's, it's not like, hey, look at their great Instagram story. They're always in Maui and on vacation and their kids are perfect. Like, that's what's fed to us. And nobody wants to share that four million times. But when you see a story of sacrifice, there's something in your soul at a deep gut level that just says, that's what it's supposed to be. And you're forced to, and when I watch this video, I'm forced to ask questions like, what would I do? Could I do that? How strong is my love for someone? If I was getting nothing in return, could I give myself to someone else? Some, your, your love and your relationship has to be built on something much, much deeper, doesn't it? Much, much deeper than an emotional connection or a sexual attraction. Because let me just promise you something, that will not cut it when life starts to suck. It's just not going to cut it. You're going to need a foundation that can hold up a life together. And that foundation has got to be Jesus. It's got to be Jesus, and it's got to be a desire to serve that comes from how much Jesus loves you and loves your spouse. You see, a strong marriage, people who serve each other, are the strength of every home. The people who exist to serve are the structural integrity of every single home. And whether that be you right now, or maybe you and one of the kids right now, or or whatever it may be, whoever exists to serve, you're actually building strength into your home. I don't know if you thought about this when you walked in today, but this room's kind of full. And I did the math this week. Um, With a full room, there's over 70,000 pounds of human weight in this room. 70,000. That's like like six bulldozers in this room. How many of you thought about that when you walked in? Like, man, I hope this place holds up, right? (laughs) Hope there's some beams underneath this carpet. I don't know, right? No, you're like, no, just sit down, drink my coffee. It's not a big deal. Nobody thinks about the structural integrity of a building until it's earthquake time, right? Until it's November and everything's shaking. And you're like, I hope there's some structural integrity in this place. And the same is true in your marriage. Nobody thinks of what's holding it all together until you find yourself in a pile of rubble staring down the barrel of a divorce. We don't think about it until things fall apart. Thank God they did a lot of work to this building, by the way. It's strong. You can be be confident. I've seen the beams. It's well built. People who exist to serve are the structural integrity of every solid home. The same is true in this church. People who exist to serve are the structural integrity of every single church. We used to do this thing because we want to be a church of servants. Uh, We want everybody, literally everyone in the room, to find a way to serve. And this isn't for my sake or for the ministry's sake. This is for your sake. There's just something that happens in our soul when we're the ones picking up trash. There's something that God does in our hearts that he can't do through status, through being the one that gets served. 
when we're willing to serve, he changes our hearts. So we used to do this thing. We called it No Serve Sunday. It was awesome. I know we haven't done it in a while. Um, but basically, we would take away all the things that people typically do at church. We shut down kids' church on Sunday morning, so you'd be sitting with your beautiful little creatures next to you at church, right? You're loving every minute. Uh, we would do no coffee, nobody out there greeting you, no band. I'd be up here with like a guitar and a, a junky guitar amp. Somebody else would have a, a projector with transparencies. Anybody? Teenagers, Google, Google transparencies. You guys have no idea what a transparency is. You know, and you get it backwards and frontwards and flip it over, and you can kind of point where the words are on the screen, and it's, it's, just, it's awful, beautifully awful. And the whole point was, it's kind of heavy-handed, I get it, but the point was we don't know what we've got till it's gone, right? Uh, we don't know what it takes to do this whole thing. Do you know that hundreds of people, it takes hundreds of people to actually make a weekly service happen? And they do it willingly. They do it without needing anything from you because they love you and they love the mission that God has us on. And so we as a church, we actually have some big news this morning. So starting in January, we are going from being a church with three gatherings to being a church with four gatherings, which is really big news. Yeah, we thank God for that. That's big news. Um, we just see that there's a need for that. As you guys can see, this room is full, our parking lot's full, so we want to continue to be on mission. Here's what that means. That means an opportunity to serve up to four to 500 more people every single week and share the gospel with them. That's, that's big news. That's awesome. Like, we believe that there are, do you think there's four or 500 people in our community that need to hear about Jesus? Okay, some head nods. Some of you are like, can we worship yet? I feel like he's going to want something from me. Um, I do. It's coming. So that means also that we have 100 new opportunities for people to step up and serve to make that happen. 100 people who say, I want to be part of that launch team. I love that we're on mission. I love that we're moving forward. I love that my kids aren't sitting with me right now. Uh, I love that my coffee's warm. Um, I want to be part of this. And so I want to invite you to be a part of that. Would you grab your traction, or traction action card? We took the TR off of it and just made it an action card. I felt like that made sense. We're starting to do this, by the way. If, if you're new and you're like, what is this about? We realized that um, Sunday morning church isn't enough. Let me be very open about that. And our, our goal, to be very clear with you, is that you would take a next step every single week at church. And so we developed this little system that you would actually mark a box of your next step. And we want to text you a little encouragement during the week. We're not going to spam you with a bunch of junk mail or whatever. We're not going to sell your <laughs> phone number to somebody, to the highest bidder. We're not going to do that. We're just going to try to give you some information and leave it at that. Uh, but if you're comfortable, if you're willing, why don't you just consider filling this out. Pull this out real quick. Grab a pen. For you, maybe you're here today and you're like, Brian, can you just give me a break? I'm brand new. And I'm not sure what I thought of Jesus uh, when I walked in here today. But maybe you're going to leave here today. And that idea that Jesus came and didn't just pick up the trash, he became the trash. He became every, every mistake, every bad decision, everything that you've ever done. Jesus became that. And all of that actually went away and died on a cross 2,000 years ago. And if that, something about that story gives you hope, if the idea that you could stand before the one true God and he would say you are pure and holy because of Jesus, if that is something you connect with today, then I want to encourage you just to mark that box. I want to give my life to Jesus. Maybe you need to get baptized. 
Uh, we are starting something brand new. We're going to do baptism every single month, once a month. And so next week is our day. Uh, some of you here have filled out boxes over the past couple months. And some of you have cold feet, and I know it's kind of scary. But next week is your week to come back. We'd love to baptize you. We're just going to celebrate, party it up here. It's going to be awesome. I, I love baptism weeks. So we'd love to baptize you. Um, we have two opportunities specifically for you. First, in our ACF Kids ministry. We love what they're doing with our kids every single week. It's not babysitting. Um, they share the gospel with children every single week. Children from strong, healthy homes. Children from homes that are not strong and are not healthy. They come in and church is a safe place for them. And that's a good thing. And so if you want to be a part of that, we will train you up. You don't need to know anything. You just need to be willing and have a desire to love kids. And so um, the commitment is to serve one service. Uh, one, one, well, it's one service on a week, but it's two services a month for three months. So it's, it's literally six times is what you're committing to. So it's not a massive commitment. It's six times. It's just this first semester to commit to that. So if you can do that also, to serve two services a month for three months with our greeting, usher, and coffee team. So be somebody on that team right there. Yeah. I love it. If they're clapping, it's because they are on the team. So we have a place for you. And I just, once again, I want to promise you, you're going to get more than you give as you serve. And God's going to do things in your heart through the challenge of that. Uh, so we, again, we have 100 spots. We could fill that all up today. I think if you're not serving, everybody in the room could do one of those two things uh, for six times and uh, just see what God might do in that. Love you guys. Grateful for you. Can we stand up? I want to pray for us as, uh, as we move on in worship. God, thank you so much for the church. Thanks that we get to be a part of it and that this is a family. And Father, I know that everything in me wants to do what's most convenient for me. And I just know that we're pushing against so much of the cultural norm of consumerism. And yet, God, your church is so different. It's just a different place where we exist not to get but to give. We exist not to be served but to serve. And God, we know that we can't do that alone. We know that we are naturally prone to be selfish. I, I want to be the first one to, to confess that here today. God, that my heart is postured towards selfishness, towards building my own kingdom apart from the help of your spirit. So God, I ask for you to help me and show me what's next. I, I pray for everyone else in the room here today that, that each of us would know what our next step is. God, would you show us the fruit of serving? I want to pray for the man or woman here today who is so sick of serving. He's just worn out. God, you see them. You know them by name. You've seen everything they've done. God, I pray for the single person here today who's struggling with their singleness. God, that you would give them a sense of wholeness and peace where they are. I pray for the marriage, the couple that walked in today one step away from divorce, God, that you would give them the desire to try this one more day in one more week, in one more month. God, that you would infiltrate their marriage and that you would heal what is broken. God, could we just be humbled before you, humbled before each other, and God, would you heal what's broken in our hearts? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.